Today's show is being brought to you by individual contributors through Patreon. Go to patreon.com backslash the education game to help su- support the show. And thanks. So, Matt, uh, today we're going to talk about reading and uh, what you can do uh, with your kids uh, at the house um, around reading. And uh, you're going to take a a special focus on uh, some uh, self-control issues, right? That's right. That's right. That'll be today's show. Awesome. Uh, Welcome to the Education Game podcast. Uh, I'm Scott. Some call him the White Shadow. I call him that. And who are you? (laughs) That's right. Forgot my cue. And I'm Matt Barnes. And some call him. Okay, we're going to test this out. The Brown Hornet. The you have to say it like this, this guy. The Brown Hornet. The Brown Hornet. Perfect. Perfect. And this is the uh, spot uh, for parents who are looking for something much better in their child's education. Uh, It is high time for parents to get better at navigating, advocating, and negotiating a better learning journey for their child. So let's get started. All right, let's do it. The brown horn is ready. So what about this this issue of self-control, Matt? How does that... uh, connect with uh with reading yeah yeah so um you know the blog i wrote uh this week uh it starts with this it's got it starts with um a situation where i'm in the grocery store and you know there's a kid that comes tearing down one of the aisles and he's got a sausage in his hand it's almost like he's carrying like a football and he's just running he's looking like you know Back in the day, some of the big time, you know, Walter Payton, uh, smiling, having a good old time. But of course, you know, mom is right behind him, right? Trying to grab him. And so it got me thinking about this whole role of self-control in how we teach it, the value and the importance of it, particularly as it relates to reading. Because, you know, everything that I have experienced is that if you are a young person uh, that has not developed some sense of self-control, then reading becomes this very difficult thing for you to do. It's like pulling teeth, right? Yeah. So um, that whole interaction with the kid in the grocery store, and we see it all the time, right? We, you know, kids who are just going uh, buck wild in the grocery store. The issue is, uh, or the, what it reminded me of was an interaction I had with a woman who coached me on how do you teach self-control to a child. And the way she did it blended reading and self-control. And she called it something called sit time, S-I-T time. Uh, have you heard, have we talked about that before, Scott? No, no, no tell me more. Oh, it's, it is, it is absolute genius. And if, and if there's one thing that I'm going to recommend that a parent do does, <clears throat> whatever the grammar is there, uh, it's to do this sit time with regularity. And so here's how it, here's how it works. So, um, and this starts early, by the way, it, it can start like with an 18 month old, you sit the child in on a, uh, usually like a, um, a towel or some sort of like relatively small sitting area and you have a timer and a book and those are the three elements, 
towel, a timer, and a book. You set the child there, you put the book in front of them, you set the timer for, if it's a small child, you set it for 15 seconds. And if your mom or dad, you sit next to him and you say, it's time for sit time. You set the timer, you look at your book. If the child tries to walk away, you, you actually grab him because 18 months, you can grab him, put him back down. Mm-hmm. And at the, as the timer rings, you say, it's kind of hard child. to do that with an 18 year old. It's so it's good harder. you're starting with an 18 month. It's a little harder, but it's, it's possible. You just have to use weapons and uh, <laughs> chains and things like that. It's, it's a little more complicated. But the point is, it's a progressive... Careful now, brown hornet. <laughs> That's right. No kidding. Uh, the point is that you start super small. And you're starting to teach the child to sit with the book. You reward them after they get done for that 15 seconds. But if you do that every day, maybe twice a day, over time, you start to increase the amount of the sit time. And the child starts to get comfortable sitting on that pallet with one book. To the point, as a woman I worked with um, six months ago, she's got a, a two-year-old. Well, now he's two. Um, but she approached me about it. I'm like, look, you got another child coming. You got to get ready. And you get, the way you get ready nah. is you, you make sure that two-year-old can handle himself for some period of time while you're change, Well, you know, while you're going to change the other child. Anyway, long story short, that child is now able to sit for 15 minutes uh, at two years old while mom is handling something else. Again, not out of sight. But mom may be changing a diaper, cooking, whatever it may be. And, and that is sit time. You slowly increase the amount of time. And over time, the child gets more and more comfortable managing themselves. And now the book is in front of them. They're going to start to read that book. Initially, they just play with it. Initially, they may ignore it. But at some point, as they're sitting there, they start to pick it up and look through it. It is it is a completely, almost completely frictionless way of teaching self-control and reading at the same time. And it is absolute genius. Did you do this with your kids? I did. I did. Uh, yeah. In the blog post, it, uh, the way it happened was I met them at, um, at the airport. I was flying through. I was on, it was when I was on the board, board of Truman university, I was flying up. These are friends from college. I said, Hey, let's meet up. I had a connecting flight. And so I met them. I was disappointed that they brought their kids. <laughs> But once I saw how well their kids were behaved, like their kids were just completely self-controlled for an hour, my friends and I had a conversation where these five, four, and two-year-olds were sitting at another table, Scott. They were sitting at a different table in a coffee shop, completely managing themselves. Two were reading, one was coloring. And they had been trained in this mantra. And when I got done with the meeting, I'm like, look, girlfriend, you got to tell me what the heck you did to these kids. Because these kids yeah. are so well behaved, so self-controlled. How did you do it? She said, hey, it's practice. And the way you practice is with sit time. Every day or twice a day, you're training them how to sit with a book so that they can learn how to control themselves. And then reading, of course, explodes once a child is sitting there. It's, it's, just, it's amazing, Scott. I've seen it happen yeah. and work so many times. And did, you, us, did, you, did you have struggle with that? With yes. any of your kids? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, can, you, can you speak to that? Sure, sure. So my yeah. middle daughter is the one that probably, had she been in a typical school, she probably would, probably would have been labeled ADHD. Um, mm-hmm. But what, what all that means is she just had more energy. But my first, mm-hmm. my son, who's oldest, he took to this easier, right? It wasn't easy, but we started 15 seconds and then went to 20 seconds and then 25, 30, et cetera. By the time my middle daughter came around, she was having a harder time with it. So for her, we had to back it up and just go slower. But 
But she got there. By the age of 18 months, she was sitting for 15 minutes. Um, and then my third child, who watched her, uh, her brother and sister, it was a heck of a lot easier for her because she just like, okay, that's what we do in this house. And she just followed along in their wake. But, but the issue is that it requires a long-term mindset. You have to be thinking about where do I want this child to be two, three, four months from now and then work towards it. Uh, most of the families that I've worked with on this, the, the biggest strat, uh, challenge to this is that they're impatient. They want the child yeah. to, day, day three, sit for five minutes. Not possible. Five yeah. minutes, maybe a month away. Uh, what do you talk there, about baby steps? It's all right. about baby steps. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, this, this makes so, so much sense to me as a uh, sort of a, a school-based educator for so many, so many years, uh, because parents like teachers oftentimes want to skip to what we call the summative goal. Uh, and the summative goal is what you just alluded to. Uh, I want my kid to be able to sit down on the couch and read a book right. for 30 minutes. Right. And what they lose sight uh, of is something that we call in the education business formative goals, right? And that is in order to get to the summative, you must go through the formative. And, you know, we're always about sports analogies. Mm -hmm. uh, think, think about this. So uh, I'm your coach. And I tell you, Matt, uh, I want you to go out and shoot uh, free throws, and uh, I want you to hit 48 out of 50 of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you've never shot a free throw uh, a day in your life. Right. Now, I'm going to guess that that summative goal is not going to be reachable for you unless you break that goal down. We break that goal down, right? That's right. Uh, you as the performer, myself as the coach. That's right into what you call and what we call baby steps, That's right? right. Yep. Yep. So it's so, so important, whether it's shooting free throws or uh, building strong readers. That's right. Uh, we all, we will all want all learners to reach the summative goal. But for almost all of us, the summative goal is based upon formative goals. That's right. That's right. And so it, that reminds me, Scott, you remember, remember when, uh, when everyone went home last fall, I'm sorry, last spring, yeah, because of COVID, and yeah. immediately there was this expectation that the child should be able to sit at home and do seven hours of homework on a computer. You remember that? And, and parents were freaking out and schools were like, just don't worry about it. Then in the fall, the same thing happened again. The school said, okay, we're going to start school normal. Kids are going to you know, sit and do... Uh, seven hours of, of work, but no one ever said to the child two things. Well, no one ever asked the child what they wanted, right? That's a whole conversation of itself. But then no one ever said, okay, we're going to practice some of the skills that are going to be required in order to even consider sitting in front of a computer for some period of time. So if you don't practice it and then you create these expectations that are unrealistic, all it leads to is frustration. Frustration on the part of the teacher, on the part of the child, on the part of the parent. So I, I really was critical of, of schools saying, we're just gonna open it up and expect people to sit in front of a computer without at least beginning the process of teaching them um, in small steps how to do that. Yeah, you have to build capacity. 
So this is called this this sit sit time. Got it. You got to enunciate, Scott. Sit, sit time. That's right. Be careful. Yeah. Okay. But again, last point about it is, if you have a young child and you're going to try to teach them this, reach out to me. I'd love to talk to you about it because there's a whole bunch of small strategies and where you do it and how you do it that I'd love to talk to you about more. Some of it will yeah. be in the blog uh, that will be released on the 26th of January. Um, but yeah, send me a note at The Education Game, matt at theeducationgame.com, or go to our website at The Education Game and schedule a one-on-one -on -one conversation with one of us, and we'll we'll talk through it. So, Yeah. So, uh, so Matt, uh, you're, I think you're talking to parents about the how-tos, um, how sort of the context mm -hmm. of, uh, of reading. Uh, I'm going to talk just a little bit uh, with you and to parents uh, about the what's of reading. Hmm. Um, so I, I ran across a, uh, an interesting book. Um, we're not really promoting this, uh, but I'm just sharing this uh, because I've found it to be very straightforward, very understandable. Uh, it's written by uh, two editors of the New York Times Book Review, uh, and it's all about how you raise a reader. You haven't said the name. Uh, and What's the name of the book, Scott? Uh, how to Raise a Reader. Oh. <laughs> Maybe you did Oh, you did? That. Yeah, I did. Excellent. Um, so uh, I just kind of want to, I'm not going to, you know, read the book, but uh, I, want, I wanted to just kind of, take parents through the, uh, the table of contents. Mm -hmm. um, and where I picked up on the story, because we don't really deal with newborns, uh, I picked up on the story around growing a reader. Uh, uh, but there's an excellent, excellent section uh, for, for new parents yeah. uh, on what to do uh, with newborns around reading, much to what uh, you talked about, and that is um, there are some skills that you can start working on even before uh, the young child, if if not the baby, uh, starts to you know show their own uh, prowess yeah. uh, around this skill. Scott, but uh, yeah, yeah. Gonna, are you, you going to go through any specifics? Well, I'm gonna, I'm just going to talk a little bit about. Um, uh, oh, the table of contents. Yeah, one of the one of the things that the authors talk about is uh, you have to break down um, the emerging reader uh, into two levels, uh, or, or how to grow a reader. So the two levels are the emerging uh, reader mm -hmm. and the independent reader. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know one of the mistakes that we've just alluded to is I think parents uh, try to get to that independent reader yes. status uh, without supporting the emerging reader. Yes. Um, and so that's, that's a big point that's made uh, in this book. Um, pay particular attention to 11, 12, 13 years of age, Why? Uh, because uh, according to uh, the authors, uh, uh, reading for most of those kids uh, move from uh, enjoyment to more technical, uh, whether it be science 
or history, right? Yep. And so it becomes, it can become uh, a challenge, yes. uh, much more than just reading fiction, right? Right. right. And uh, so they've got an entire section on 11, 12, 13, they call it middle school. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to say, you know, usually when your kid gets around, you know, 10 to 14, that's the time to, even if they are a so-called independent reader, uh, you might want to revert back to some of the practices uh, that you underwent when they were an emerging reader mm-hmm. because they're reading different materials. Right, 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 yeah. right. Well, I guess the other thing, Scott, I mean, you were middle school pr- principal for a, a time. Um, I've heard and seen with a lot of the families I've worked with that kids will enter middle school, but their, greeting, their reading level is actually in you know early elementary school third grade right 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 uh, and so not only are they moving from books that are more fun but they're moving to books that are more technical and have a more challenging vocabulary and so it's a double whammy for those kids right have you seen that in, in the middle school world where they come in in middle school and they're really not ready to to, to read those books absolutely um and that's that's one of the uh I think uh, um, limitations of traditional school mm-hmm. and one of the liberations, if you can take your learner outside of traditional school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and let me tell you why. Uh, I, I've, I've seen few uh, traditional school settings that uh, work on reading as much as some of these kids need to work on reading. Uh, yes, um, yes. And so what happens is it's it's almost like we start piling on the weak reader, yes, right? Instead right. of fixing reading, uh, we just start piling on yes. more and more reading. They don't have the requisite skills. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm up in Vermont now, but you and I know that HISD has a big reading problem. And uh, Houston uh, is it's across the the, the city, uh, and uh, you know one of my ideas was let's take a big time out, uh, let's set up reading academies in all schools. Yes, uh, take those kids into those academies, into those think tanks, uh, get their reading abilities where they feel proud of being a reader. And then let's put them back into the traditional setting. Right. Uh, but that, that, that hasn't happened yet, man. Well, Scott, it, yeah, we've talked about this. And that idea just seems so obvious, Scott, what you just described. I mean, if the child is not reading, you, you've lost, right? They, they are in deep trouble. And so, you know, the language I use coming from the healthcare world is if a child is not reading, that, it's like that child has cancer, right? And it's going to metastasize if you don't get serious about dealing with that cancer. And to, yeah. and it's hard for me to even get my head around the idea that one out of 10 black boys are reading on grade level in third grade. It's hard for me to even understand how that's possible. But then they move up to the middle school, and it's probably not much better. And at no point does anyone say, hey, you know what? If we don't deal with this cancer in this kid... That kid is going to that cancer is going to metastasize, and this and that going to lead to early death. There's certainly some sort of dysfunction, yeah. which is what we yeah. see with a lot of black boys. 
So it, it, I'll give you a, yeah. yeah, I'll give you a, a even a more morbid uh, example mm, of good. Let's uh, keep it. Let's keep this we we reading. Let's keep the show. Yeah, morbid. exactly. Maybe I should put my hood up. You know, but uh, no, you know this. Your, your black uh, hood, not the we, not the white hood. We've we've talked about this before, and that is so uh, when corporations start building prisons. Oh yeah. One of the data points they take a look at is primarily African American males and what their reading ability is at the third grade. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, our country is actually building prisons yeah. based wow. upon African-American males' inability to read. Right. Yeah. 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 Most And the data bears this out. I can't remember the percentages, but it's well north of 50% of the kids, of the young men in prison, uh, yeah. can't read. Um, so I so can, I, can I give uh, parents just a quick primer sure. on some things yeah. to be thinking about uh, as they're working on reading? Um, and, and like I said, I, th- I think you did a really good job of uh, uh, how to. Uh, this is more about the what. Uh, but, you know, Matt and I uh, talk a lot about uh, goals and that every learning plan needs to have goals. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, reading is uh, no different than any other pursuit. Uh, you need to establish some goals. But one of the things in the uh, in the learning business uh, that we uh, believe in is how you scaffold a goal. And, yeah. and what I mean by scaffolding is, uh, you know, a young reader, uh, they're not going to read at the level uh, or they're not going to read uh, the the interests uh, at uh, 11 years years old that they might uh, be at at seven years old. Right. So, so here I, I wanted to offer the parents just some examples of some reading goals. Awesome. So, so for early learners, uh, one of the things we're going to talk about is vocabulary development. Mm-hmm. Uh, every strong reader has a really strong vocabulary, uh, and so here's an example for an early learner uh, of a uh, of a reading goal. By Friday, uh, Sam will be able to identify 25 words from his current Magic Treehouse book, okay? So that's totally, totally okay for uh, parents uh, to establish that type of goal. Uh, Like I said, this is uh, all about vocabulary development, but it's vocabulary development doing it within the context of something that the kid really likes to read. So it's not just uh, random words pulled out of the dictionary. There's books, there, there are words that come out of a book that the child enjoys. That's yeah. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the business, we call that learner context, right? Mm-hmm. So the reason why you're motivated to learn that language is you really like that series of books, right? Right. right. Um, here's one for developing learners. So these okay. are kids just a tad bit older. Uh, maybe, or, or tad bit uh, farther along the line on the development continuum. Yep. Doesn't have to be connected to age. Uh, but here's one for a developing learner. Mm-hmm. By Friday, Neil will finish his spy school book and be able to answer a set of comprehension questions correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a neat little uh, addition to that is uh, about halfway through that spy school book, a parent asked Neil 
some questions that he might want to ask himself. Yes. Right. Yes. So that, uh, yeah. So, so all readers have strong, what we call predictive uh, capabilities. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what's going to happen um, and, next? Uh, what would you do if you were in this situation? Exactly. Uh, what do you, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. And that's, that's something right. else, Scott, just what you're doing here is you're coaching parents on how to do this themselves, right? So that's, I really appreciate you, you know, letting parents know more about the business of education. So can, continue, yeah. Dr. Scott. Well, there's, there's really, there's, there's really no magic to this, right? So whether it's the parent or the teacher, because I would make the argument that before there was a classroom teacher, uh, there was a teacher at home. That's right. Uh, And that's called mom or dad or aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa. Right. Um, Here's here's a, a goal for advanced learners. Okay. Same goal around reading comprehension. But now by Friday. Uh, Helen will finish Wuthering Heights. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, uh, the other thing that you can do with reading is that once, uh, at least around reading comprehension, uh, the reader has good answers at that level of, of, of reading or that level of book, take the level up a bit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still working on reading comprehension, right? Whether they're understanding, uh, but, uh, the nuances uh, really increase uh, with the more advanced the uh, the reader uh, moves along the continuum. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about examples of reading development activities. So I think that there are probably five. Okay. Um, so so one you know we we get this question a lot. So what should I uh, focus on? Should I focus on uh, phonics or whole language? Yeah. Right. And actually, the answer, Matt, is both, right? So right. we want readers to have strong phonemic awareness. Uh, so that is basically how they're going to start with the alphabet. Uh, they're going to sound out their letters. Uh, they're going to start working on combinations of mm-hmm. consonants and vowels, Blends. trying to figure out the English language. Yep. Uh, that's all phonemic awareness. Uh, at the same time, uh, you can start working uh, with your kids uh, on vocabulary development. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, this can be made into a, a very, you know, simple and enjoyable game. Uh, I'm going to show you 10 words. Uh, and we're going to see how many you can get. You, you can get correct. Yeah, uh, and then the next night I'm going to show you the same 10 words. Let's see if we can take it from six out of 10 to eight out of 10 or nine out of 10. Yeah, right. Scott, let me let me pause you for a second, Scott, because yeah. there's this raging debate you know about it in education circles around is it phonics or is it whole whole word whole language is that what it's called whole language, whole language yeah yeah um, and whole language is again recognizing a, a word on sight phonics is being yeah, through the pra- yeah through the practice of reading right and phonics right. is actually sounding it out um, yeah. I have le- learned or noticed in a lot of the families I work with they defer. <clears throat> to the whole language as if the child should have to memorize every word they see. They don't understand phonics. They don't understand mm. that there's a, 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 there are certain ways that sound, that letters make or produce sounds. Um, and so my experience is that the phonics is the thing that most families need to become better schooled at. Um, yeah. 
And I'm not sure if that's yeah. just because they were taught. Well, you have to put in the work, right? Yeah. You know, in, in, in terms of uh, baby steps, yeah. walking before you run, yeah. Yeah. right? So I think phonics uh, provides uh, provides all of that. Yeah. Uh, phonics, yeah, so a lot of phonics work. You're going to have to be creative parents uh, to figure out some fun games uh, to play with your kids around phonics because – uh, phonics can be, you know, really <laughs> struggling. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes yeah. if you're not careful, boring work. Sure. Right. But there's yeah. a bunch of stuff online now about sounding out words that is just so much more available than it was when I was raising yeah. kids. So, so that's yeah. one no, of the I think, five. Yeah. I think the, uh, yeah, that's, that's uh, one. And then the second is vocabulary development. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, the, the, the technology that is around today uh, compared to when I taught my kids how to read are books on tape, audio books, right? Yep. Oh my God. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a huge game changer. That's right. Uh, And especially if you have an English language learner, uh, awesome, awesome books on tape. We're going to come back to that. And the library, by the way, uh, gives out free books on tape, pre-recorded books. Nice. So that is, that is a tremendous benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You had a couple. Of so, them. uh, right, right. Uh, a few more, yeah. uh, connected with vocabulary development. Uh, and this comes out of the research of a guy named Bob Marzano mm-hmm. and, uh, Bob has done a lot of work, uh, with, uh, uh, low income families. Uh, and, uh, he's noticed that there are two, uh, 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 disconnects, uh, usually in, in uh, low-income families. One is lack of vocabulary development, mm-hmm. but also it is lack of building of background knowledge. Oh, right. So it's, it's, it's not necessarily reading the same stuff all the time. So you need to expose your young reader to a lot of different um, types of books that will afford them uh, some uh, background knowledge, right? Yeah. Uh, so a big difference between middle-class kids and low-income kids is uh, the middle-class kids get to go to the museums, they get to go on vacations. Uh, and Marzano found that even though low-income kids might not be able to go to the museum, they might not be able to go on vacation to Washington, D.C., Again, the internet provides wonderful, wonderful experiences yeah. to allow kids to build their background knowledge. And that it's really that building of background knowledge that hand in hand goes with strong vocabulary development. Mm-hmm. That makes yeah. sense, right? Oh, it makes perfect sense. And, and that is, yeah. again, a place where if there are not books in the house, if the family does not prioritize reading it makes it harder for that child to build some of those background that background knowledge, or if the yeah. family is not using the internet um, as a learning tool to, yeah. to learn about other cultures, to learn about you know what's going on in other parts of the United States. Then yes, they miss out on on additional vocabulary. That's that's a yeah. huge deal. So, and then the the, the last two uh, is pretty much when you start talking about uh, reading, you think of practice and you think of comprehension. Um, and so, um, you know, reading practice is basically breaking down texts, uh, into, uh, you know, uh, paragraphs to sentences. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Um, there are some uh, protocols that you can use, text-based conversations uh, that you can use. We can make all of that available to you as a parent if you want to kind of play around with that um, as you uh, work on your uh, on your kids' reading uh, capabilities. Uh, and then, uh, really, the 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 uh, the test of all tests is: uh, Are you understanding? Uh, what you're what you're reading and and beyond understanding uh, are you able to uh, synthesize are you able to break down you know there are a number of tasks that uh, you know good readers have uh, that we want all of our all of our fans uh, readers uh, to have in their in their toolbox that's right and there's again having worked with a lot of families there's a ton of examples of kids who can read the words and they can read the entire paragraph almost flawlessly. And you ask them what just took place and they have zero idea. So all they're doing yeah. is just parroting whatever it is they're seeing. So Scott, yeah. so let me just review the five points. So um, there's first is the folk phonics versus whole language, right? And it's both. It's not a versus. It's a both. Right? That's right. The second is building a vocabulary. You gave some examples of how to do that earlier in the show. The third is background knowledge by getting a broader understanding of what's going on in society and the world so kids can have anchors for some of these words and things that they're reading, right? And yeah. then the fourth and fifth are practice. And that is just, you know, how you want to get better at anything, you got to practice. And then yeah. comprehension, and that's the evaluation part to make sure that the the child is learning. Yeah, what's that? What's that old adage? Practice makes perfect. That's right. That's right. Right. I hated that. So if, if <laughs> yeah, I hated that. Now, well, now, Scott, Matt, the way I know it, uh, you, you're pretty good without practice at uh, many many skills. Oh, I, I practice more than most people realize. But listen, here's <laughs> something I want to also bring to parents. So what Scott talked about. In all of these elements, there are a couple of online programs that I've used with my kids that actually do everything that Scott just described, and they make it automated. So particularly for families who have uh, language deficits or they're not great readers themselves, that doesn't stop you from making sure your child can become a great reader. One of the programs is called Reading A to Z and or RAS, and a lot of schools actually have this available for their families for free but the families don't use it right so wow. this is this is like this gold you know son or daughter hey it's saturday and we're gonna we're gonna read one of these we'll read it together as a family we'll read it out loud whatever it may be but we are going to read so you don't have to have books in your home you don't have to um uh, to know how to read even you but you can have access to these systems that then and at the end of the program or these books scott there's a questionnaire for the child to answer the questions. And if the child is reading the book and they don't understand the questions, then you have to reduce the level of difficulty. So mm. now the child is able to read at their appropriate level. It's just, it's a fantastic, it's a fantastic resource that most families don't even realize is out there. Reading A to Z. Reading A to Z. Hey Matt, uh, before we get out of here, uh, I, I want to talk to uh, parents just real quickly about um, how do you, you you design some of this work, right? So we've talked about outcomes, uh, but uh, there are a couple of other important points uh, that are connected with the desired outcomes. So first, you're going to, uh, as, as we talked in the program earlier, uh, you're going to uh, 
identify some summative uh, outcomes. Yes. This is what you want to see in the end. But then you're going to break down uh, those outcomes into what we call formative outcomes. So, you know, if you've got like a week or a two week project, let's break that down into maybe two or three days of, you know, what is what is it going to look like? Mm -hmm. um, so after you've done that, then you'd want to ask yourself, what what is some acceptable evidence, right? What do I need to see myself that suggests that my young learner is is doing, whether it be phonemic awareness, whether it be building vocabulary, whatever whatever the task is, what's some acceptable evidence, right? Uh, and then once you think about what that acceptable evidence is, uh, then you're going to plan some learning experiences, right? So what are the activities that you and your son or you and your daughter are going to engage in so that you can see the evidence so that you can reach the desired results? Right, right. Now, in the education business, this is called understanding by design. Mm -hmm. And parents, if you want to learn more about that, just go to uh, 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 the Internet and uh, type in understanding by design. And there's a ton of information. Yeah, uh, yeah. to help you with uh, with those skills. Awesome. Understanding by design. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, um, you know, we could uh, we could go on and on uh, about uh, reading and the importance. Uh, uh, but I guess I, I guess we should probably uh, uh, in this segment and uh, then parents, we'd like to hear from you. Uh, and uh, you can either contact us uh, through uh, our website, uh, Scott at the Education Game, all one word, uh, dot com, or Matt at the Education Game, all one word, dot com. Uh, do you have the uh, phone number? Sure. 832-210-1200, extension 1200. 832-210-1200, extension one two zero zero. Leave us a message. Well, Matt and I uh, want to personally thank all of you for taking the time to listen to the show today. The education game exists to build a world in which parents and their families reclaim uh, and lead their children uh, to become self-directed learners. Uh, in our experience, this type of learning does not happen by accident. It requires intentionality, support, and lots of encouragement. Matt and I would like to help you on this journey and are building an online course uh, to help you navigate this uh, new world. In fact, that course uh, we're, we're taking through some uh, parents and families uh, as, we, uh, as we make this podcast. Um, if you're interested in learning more, like we said, sign up by going to our website uh, or give us a call. Anything else, Matt, before we uh, we shut it down? Guys, get on that sit time. And again, sit, S-I-T time. <laughs> Just making sure it's a family show, Scott. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, this has uh, been the Education Game. Uh, he's Matt, uh, a.k.a. How did you say the Brown Hornet? That's pretty good. We'll keep working on it. And I'm Dr. Scott. Everybody have a good day, good week, and we'll talk soon.